So, um, Pastor Ed loves me, and he gave me repent, or repentance. Because <laughs> that's what everybody wants to talk about, right? We want to just get real and get down to it, and you know what, seriously, and I'm going to say this, and I'm going to say it a couple of times, because I think, I think this is one of the things that has, has been a guide in my life that has helped me all through my faith walk is that I am a repeat repenter. I am a repeat repenter. Just hang on to that for a minute, okay? It's something that I do as a discipline, but not just a discipline. It's not just religious. You know, it's not just that thing that, oh yeah, I got to do that, got to do that. It comes from a sorrow place, a place of sorrow. It comes from a place of being real and raw and hurting because I have done something that is outside of the will of God. None of us are perfect, right? Okay. So um, we're going to get into that in just a minute. To, to, uh, to, to have to be a repeat repenter, there, there's a reason for that, and it's called sin. And so a lot of people like to know what the list is of sins that we should stay away from. You know, you know what I'm saying? So this is from the concordance, which... You know, this is kind of the dictionary of the Bible. It says, what comes out of a person is what defiles them. For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. And you'd think that list would probably pretty, pretty much cover everything. But, you know, list people, they like to work within the list. So if you've got something that's not on the list, you feel like you have liberty there. So they, they go on to give us something else there. It says sin is missing the mark. There is righteousness and holiness, and that's where God is. And anything out of, outside of those two is what we call sin. It opposes the divine nature of God, right? So sin is when our actions, our thoughts, our attitudes are not in perfect sync with the holiness and righteousness of God. It's missing the mark. So this first portion that I want to talk about, i got two sections here. The first section that I want to talk to you guys about is, is like, this is the reason for the church. This is the reason that we get together. This is the reason that we come together and we worship and then we are discipled and so then we can go out and bring other people into the church. Because there are people out there that don't know Jesus. And that's the, that's the point of it all. There, there is a sin that, where they are just walking out without knowing anything. They don't understand. We're not better than them. We just happen to get it at some point along the way. Some of us, listen, I talked to Josiah a while ago. I love that guy. He gets it. He's seven. It took me till 36 to get it. I'm a little slower than Josiah is what I'm saying. Acts 2 verse 36 through 39. Now here, in this scripture right here, Peter is preaching. He's preaching on the day of Pentecost. They've just been filled with the Holy Spirit, so you know he has got an anointing on right now. And he says, Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, whom we crucified. 
Our sin is the reason that Jesus went to that cross. Both Lord and Christ, that's who He made Him. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, this is the church talking back to, this is the the church congregation talking back to the ones that are putting on the service. Men and brethren, what shall we do? What do we do to fix this? I don't want to be in this state. And this is what Peter says to him: Repent. Repent. And let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. Repent so that your sins will be taken away. That's, that's what he's saying there. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Man, that's Faith Walk 101 right there. Give your heart to Jesus. Repent. Get away. You know, repent is, is basically you're going towards sin. When you repent, that means you're, you're sorrowful about going towards sin. And then you turn and go the opposite direction. That's what we want out of repentance. That's what, that's what we should all do. And that's what he's, he's telling them. If you want to fix this, this is how you do it. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off as many as the Lord God will call. And then in Acts 3.19, next chapter, it says, Repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. Again, the repentance gets, gets rid of the sin. Repent, and th- these are unsaved. These are people that have not acknowledged Jesus. This is what we should do. This, this is what we should be doing. We should be talking with them. In the marketplace, we should be talking with them. In our neighborhoods, we should be talking with them. In school, we should be talking with them. At the ball field, we should be talking with them everywhere. Because to not talk with them, is to, it's the greatest form of hate. In other words, if you don't have the love to give them, where, where are we operating from here? Repent is to turn away and go the opposite direction. So... I'm not going to do this whole story because I think a lot of you guys already know this. I started drinking when I was 13. My, my drinking career just started, I mean, horribly, and it, it ended beautifully. <laughs> because as a 13-year-old, I thought it was cool, and I, I would just get drunk as much as I could. I was running around asking high school people, will you take me and get me something to drink? Will you buy me something to drink? I was just that little pesky guy, you know? I was never little, but I just put that on me so I could feel better about myself. But I kept on and kept on, and then when I turned 16, I got a car, and I started, I started a little small part-time job. I had the money to buy my own stuff, and I didn't need anybody else, and I just kept in this, in this drinking thing. I, I played baseball in college. I, I drank my way off of the team, seriously drank my way off of the team. And then my dad says, you know, we're not going to do this. I'm not going to pay for your grades because... <laughs> My grades beat me home one day. That was not good. And, uh, and he says, you got to get a job. So I got a job. And then I had more money than I'd ever had. I had a car, and I was, you know, if, you, if you're drinking, then if, if you got problems, then sometimes you turn to drugs, and that's what happened with me. So here I am, a mess. I mean a mess. We, get, we meet. We didn't go to Bible college together. We didn't meet at church camp. We met in a bar. And then from there, we get married because she's, she's got her own deal that she's going through. I've got mine. We're just 
two hot messes, and we thought if we would make one big hot mess, that would just make everything so much easier. And so we did that. And, and from there, we had the most glorious fights constantly because we were, we were, we were in trouble. We didn't know how to, how to deal with things. We didn't have a biblical basis to take care of things. And then she got her healing from her situation in 1992, and I became her project. Because Jesus, if he could do that for her, then he can do that for me. And so with these passionate discussions all centered around Sunday morning from that point forward because she wanted me to have an encounter with Jesus. Because if she, she knew if she could get me there over and over and over at some point, there was going to be a time when, when I would give my heart to Jesus and everything would change. And that happened on September 6, 1998. Third row back, aisle seat, left-hand side of the building. I find that chair every, every church I'm in because it's an altar of victory. But I can tell you this. as At that point, a 23-year alcoholic, if I didn't repent, there was nothing else going on with me. It's the same day the next day. I had to repent. I had to ask God to forgive me. I had to let Him take care of me. I had to give Him lordship in my life. I had to turn away from the things that I had been running towards. And so we went home that day. And as a symbol of turning away from everything, we, we poured out about $1,000 worth of wine, liquor, and beer because our house was a shrine to alcohol because that's who I was. And from that point forward, the sorrow that I had dealt with and the and the, the being slave to sin and the chains that we just talked about, they all left. They all left because I was willing at that moment to repent. It's what she kept after me about that got me to this point today because she could have just left me alone. She could have just let me be who I was at the time, but she saw something more in me. And as we go out of here... As we go out into the community, don't look at people for where they are right now. Look at them in God's eyes. Look at them as children of God that they, that they have something more in them when they're acting crazy and they're doing things and saying things. That's not who they are. They just don't know who they are yet. All they've got to do is, is have that one moment of repentance. So, so here's, the, here's the thing. That's, that's for the ones that that we call the lost. I mean, you call them lost in front of them, that's not really cool, right? I mean, it's like you're, you're labeling them. Let's don't do that. Let's just say they, if they could meet Jesus, that would sure be good. Because Jesus makes a difference in everything. So the repentance is for those that don't know Jesus, but it's also for us. It's also for us who are walking out this faith walk day after day after day. Because we are not perfect people. So... Here's a here's the first scripture. I want you guys Luke 17 verses 3 and 4. Luke 17 verses 3 and 4. And this is what it says. It says, "Take heed to yourselves. Listen to yourself. Watch yourself. Think about yourself. How are you acting in front of everybody? If your brother sins against him, against you, rebuke him." Y'all know a rebuke, 
I've seen some rebukes that are not real rebukes. <laughs> y'all ever, y'all ever witness one of those where they just blow the hair off of somebody? You know, they're just on them. It's like they they just are just calling them everything. They're not. They're, a rebuke should lead to repentance. A rebuke should lead to unity. It shouldn't lead to one person sulking and walking away. And if he repents, if if the brother that sins against you repents, forgive him. And then listen to this. This is what gets us. And if he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times in a day he returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. We have a responsibility to forgive because when we don't forgive, we are hanging on to something that just tears us down. It just destroys us. It doesn't help us in any way. When, when, when we were getting close to this weekend, I had a word that came up to me. And I'm just going to say this because I know the Lord gave me that. I don't just think about this word off, off, of, the, off of my own thinking. Somebody or some of you have been betrayed. You've been betrayed and it's been horrible and the results of it have hurt But can I just tell you, the Lord is saying, just forgive them. Just let them go. If you you need to have a conversation, you can have that rebuke. And if they repent, then wonderful. That's called Matthew 18 in in our run, you know. But just don't hang on to it. Sheila and I had some things that happened to us in the in the past 15 years. And last year, we had this time at Christmas where we actually went to the location of all these places and we just returned what we'd been carried. We, we, we'd been carrying some stupid stuff. And we would go there and we would pray and we would say, Lord, we're leaving this right here because we're not going to do this anymore. We're not going to carry this anymore. It's too heavy for us and I know that you've got it. So we're giving it back to you. So I don't know in the story, because listen, we're all, we all have frailties. I don't know where you insert yourself in that scripture. Are you the one that was sinned against? Or are you somebody that has over and over and over said, I'm not going to do that again. I'm not going to do that to you. And then you end up doing it again and again. I don't know where you insert yourself in the story, but listen... God loves you, and all you got to do, whether you're on the wrong side or the, the one side or the other side, just repent. Just turn away from it. Get away from it. Don't hang on to it anymore. Be a repeat repenter. Don't let it dominate your life. It says in 1 John, 1 John is written to believers. Listen now, this is written to us, the believers. It says, this is the message which we have heard from Him and declare to you that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. So if we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, in other words, we walk in sin, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. All sin. This is written to believers. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. 
and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that's what repentance is. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. His word is not in us. I think that when I read that, I mean, that's like there's a good place for an Alchalula right there, right? I can't even say that now. But then there's, there's this. Some of us are serving. Some of us are working for the Lord, doing the things that, that we think that we should be. And then there are some stuff that gets in our way between us and Him, our relationship with Him. Revelation 2, 1 through 6. This is written to the church at Ephesus. It's a doctrinally sound church, a church that serves, a church that works, a church that labors, a church that doesn't put up with evil. It's a church that's studious in the Word, a discerning church, watching out for false prophets and false apostles. Wouldn't it be nice to have them here during the election year with all the prophecies that happen? Right? It says, to the angel of the church of Ephesus, write this. These things, says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands, I know your works, I know your labor, I know your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and found them liars. What a great church. If, if Pastor Lori would lead worship there, I think all of us would want to be there, right? And you have preserved and had patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. You didn't grow weary. You're, you're still doing it. You're keeping on. But I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen and repent. And do this first works, or else I will come back to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. But this you have that I hate, the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. I would hate to be the guy that has the stuff going on that God says, I hate what you're doing there, right? Wow. What moved John... What moved God to have John pen this, to write this? Were they enamored with God, but then he kind of lost his shine and they just kind of thought, nah, that's not really what I want to do. No, I don't think so. I don't think it's that. Did they get busy doing the work of the Lord without the presence of the Lord? You ever do that? You ever be rocking along and think, I know how to do this. We've done this so many years. I just know how to do this. And all of a sudden you realize you didn't seek the Lord about whether or not you were supposed to even be doing that. I'm just going to be honest with you. I've been there. That's why I have to be a repeat repenter. Did they get better? Did they get a better offer? You know, did, was, there, was there another temple that opened up across town that had shorter temple services at a different temple and they had the one-hour TED Talk type temple sermons with no confrontation of sin, no gifts of the Spirit in the temple services, that this, is this a temple where everybody's welcome no, what, no matter what you believe? Is, is that it? 
You know, it's possible. It happens here. It happens not just here in Covenant. It happens all over the world. Could they have just drifted a little bit? Could they have just drifted a little bit? Just off the mark a little bit here becomes an off the mark way big back there. You know, you got to miss temple. you got to miss small group. Kids have travel ball. No one can keep up with two temple services in a week. Who in the world would, would ask us to do that? And a small group. And then a year or two later, you have no relationship with the Lord, no prayer time, no reading God's Word, and the love and passion is missing. That's possible. That's what prompted God to have John write this letter. What about their neighbor, though? Were they loving? Were they no longer welcoming to Democrats or Republicans? Were they no longer welcoming? Because I never saw in there one time where the elephant or the donkey was the better one. It's all about Jesus. And we can all be together. If we treat our brother and our sister without regard, if we look down on them and not make them welcome when they come. We're a church, man. People don't come here because they got it together. People come here because they're struggling. And if we're not making them feel welcome, then they're not coming back. Excuse me. And when we're not making those people feel welcome, we're not making, what we're really doing is not making the bride of Christ welcome to the place that it's supposed to be. Could their love for the addict or the drunk have dissipated? Could their compassion for the prostitute have fallen away? Could their compassion for the obese or the homeless, had that kind of given up a little bit? Did they stop giving a drink of water or did they stop going to the prisons? Did they have compassion on those for the aftermath of abortion? Did they quit serving the widows and the orphans? I don't know what it was. I've studied it a lot. I never found exactly what it was, but this is what he says for sure. The first love wasn't there anymore. The first works weren't there anymore. And there was a judgment for it. The Word of God says that the way you fix the broken first loves is to repent with genuine sorrow. Remember what our first love was like? Do you remember that? Sheila and I, when we would, when we would do marital counseling, which was always so fun, we would talk to them about their first love. <laughs> Didn't you get married because you love each other? Can we just go to that point and try to fix everything and then start back out again? Because the first love is important. The closest we'll ever be to the purity of heaven is when we have just repented. When we have just shaken off all of the sins that we have to deal with. I've been a repeat repenter since the beginning of my faith walk. Because I've been scared and fear the, the thought that I would carry around sin and it would separate me from God. That it would separate that relationship. 
And the Bible says, His ear is not heavy, His hand's not short, but our sin separates us from Him. When I get a wrong attitude, when I slip and say something that I shouldn't have said, when I act like an idiot, whatever it is, I repent. I don't repent just so I can say, okay, I'm good now. I repent because it makes me sad that I've acted that way. It makes me sad that I've had a critical spirit. It makes me sad that I've looked at somebody else and judged them so much to the point that I would say something out loud. Or even thinking in my mind, why would I do that? I don't want to do that. So I repent. And I turn away from that over and over and over. And sometimes I'm the one that comes to God seven times a day and says, Lord, I repent. I'm sorry. So my encouragement this afternoon, this evening, is that we be repeat repenters. Every one of us. Stay close to Him. Fix your eyes on Him. Don't let your gaze go from Him. He's worth it. He loves you. He's never stopped wooing you. He's never stopped that moment where He wants to have a relationship with you. And listen, I know. This is, it's Monday night. And it's raining. And this is the crowd that wants to be here. But I know this, the enemy is good as his game. He is so good and he works in us to try to take us away. He's there to steal, to kill, and destroy. And he'll do anything he can to get our relationships messed up. And if we'll do anything we can to keep it right, then we're going to enter glory one day. And as much as the enemy still tries to steal, kill, and destroy, I can tell you that Jesus has life and life abundant for every one of us. And that doesn't just include heaven, but it includes this earth if we'll do what we're supposed to do. Amen.